Now, let's, let's jump into the rest of this, uh, this masterpiece this morning. We're going to try to take another step in this messy masterpiece in the story of Joseph. We're going to be in chapter 39 this morning. So we're going to skip chapter 38 because chapter 38 doesn't uh, add to the story of Joseph. So we're going to skip from the end of chapter 37 to the beginning of chapter 39. And when we finished last week, we, we kind of walked into the big meanwhile. You remember? We said that God, uh, while we are mourning, God is making a meanwhile. <laughs> and that meanwhile is full of so much hope. That is like my favorite, one of my favorite words in this story. Because of all of the mess that Joseph is going through, there's this meanwhile. And that means that while all of this tragedy is going on in his life, God is at, up to something. God is working something out. And so Joseph has been sold to Ishmaelite slave traders. Uh, and his brothers, honestly, are hoping that they never see him again. That's how they feel. Uh, but then there's Reuben. You remember Reuben is the oldest of the ten. And he is upset because he knows that he's going to be responsible for what has happened to Joseph. He had a plan to to throw Joseph in the pit and then rescue him and take him home to Jacob. But that can't happen now because the brothers have sold him as a slave. And so Jacob, when Jacob the father finds out about what's happened to Joseph, all he has left of his favorite son is this special robe that's soaked in blood. That's all he has left. And so Jacob, go, Jacob goes into this deep, deep mourning because... His favorite son is dead. And, and, and whether it was right for him, we've already established it wasn't really good fatherhood for him to have such favoritism for Joseph. But the fact that he did just makes his mourning and his hurt even deeper and deeper. And we saw that the consequence of his own sin, you remember earlier in Genesis, he lies to his own father Isaac and he deceives him to steal the birthright. So now Jacob's sin that he committed against his own father is now coming into his life through his kids. And he is dealing with the repercussions of that. So as far as they know, Jacob, Jacob believes Joseph is dead. The rest of the brothers know he's not really dead, but he's gone and we're never going to see him again. So now let's look at chapter 39 because chapter 39 is the beginning of that meanwhile that's in the, at the end of chapter 37. So look at verse 39. Let's, let's start with verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. Now Potiphar, we're in verse 1, Potiphar is introduced into this story. And Potiphar is an Egyptian officer of the Pharaoh. The scripture calls him a captain of the, of the guard. Uh, we would think of him sort of like the chief of police. Um, and actually, uh, he, he's sort of like the James Murray of Egypt. Does anybody know who James Murray is? Probably not. James Murray is the current director of the United States Secret Service. Okay? So James Murray is the one who's in charge of all the guys who are in charge of taking care and protecting the president. So this is kind of who Potiphar is. He is like the head of secret service for the Pharaoh. 
And he is probably one of the most trusted men in all of Egypt for the Pharaoh. Maybe he is the most trusted man. So now Joseph is a slave. He's been purchased, but he's been purchased by Potiphar. And you got to remember now, Joseph has no control, right? He has no control over what is going on. But now he's being purchased by Potiphar. Joseph is a, is a piece of property at this point. He has no control over what's happening to him. But the meanwhile is that of all the people in Egypt, he could have been purchased by, it happened to be this guy Potiphar, who happened to be the head of, of the security and the police for the Pharaoh, who happened to be the most trusted guy to the Pharaoh. You see the masterpiece? You see the chaos of what's going on in Joseph's life, and all of these little pieces are just, are just being fit together by God. It's another piece that he's moving. So here's, here's something I want you to remember, that God places us for purpose and gives purpose to our place. That applies to us. God places us for purpose and gives purpose to our place. You're saying, well, well what, what are you talking about, Eric? Um, the fact is that we don't always understand why we are where we are, do we? Don't you ever wonder, you're like, how in the world did I get here? And why am I here? And what's the purpose of it? So when we think about that, there's really only two choices we have. We can either believe that we ended up where we are by complete random chance. And there, and there is no real purpose. It just happened the way it happened. Or we can believe that there's purpose existing in why we are where we are when we are. And so if we believe that there's a purpose that exists in where we are, we have to believe that there's somebody behind that purpose. And so um, sometimes, and, and you may identify with this, sometimes we find ourselves in a place, but we don't know the purpose yet. And then other times we may know what the purpose is that God has set for us, but we don't know where it's going to be. And it doesn't matter which one of those places we find ourselves in, God always matches them up. He always puts the place together with the purpose. So, so however it is for you right now, if you're in a place and you're like, I, I don't know what my purpose is in this place. Let me tell you, there is one. You may not see it. Joseph didn't know, uh, didn't know what his purpose, he doesn't have a clue what the purpose of, of this is yet. Because he's in the, in the deepest darkness of it. He's in the valley of this experience. And this isn't going to be the first valley that he goes through. And then some of us may know, we say, we know, I, know, I know what I'm supposed to do, I just don't know where or how to do it. God places us for purpose. He puts us in places for his purpose. And he gives purpose to whatever place it is that he places us. Okay? So do you have faith to believe that God can be working a good purpose in a bad place? 
You may say, oh, I'm in a bad place right now. I don't like this place. This is not the place I want to be. And you go, and, and, okay, well, it, is your faith strong enough to believe that God can bring a good purpose in a bad place? Let's keep going. Let's look at verses 2 through 4 in chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. Now, for the first time, we're going to begin to see the depth of Joseph's faith. What we see up until now really is a 17-year-old. A 17-year-old who has a bit of an arrogance problem, who has a little bit of an ego, but, but we haven't really seen a, a lot of evidence or, or commentary from the text about the, the personal faith of Joseph, but we're going to start seeing that now. And, and in these verses we do. God, in keeping with his purpose, and you remember that all throughout this entire story, God's got an end game. God's got a purpose for everything that's going to be happening. And he's orchestrating everything. He's taking this mess and he's putting it together exactly how he wants so he can accomplish his purpose. So in keeping with that, he gives Joseph a supernatural blessing over his efforts to serve Potiphar. Because Joseph was at a disadvantage. Think about it. Joseph is in a foreign land with people who who may even speak a different language, a different culture. He's among foreign people. And you got to think of somebody like Potiphar who is hiring a slave. What kind of expectations do you think this guy has for his slave's performance? He is the He is like the second guy in Egypt. I'm assuming, I'm guessing that he had pretty high expectations for what he expected of Joseph. And so God has to do this transforming work in Joseph to enable him to do the kind of job that would please Potiphar. Somehow in in Joseph's growing up, and, and some of it happened while he was still with his father, but maybe some of it's happened in this time since he's been thrown into this situation he's beginning to grow and mature and what we find out about um, Joseph is that he has an ethic to work really really hard and that's what he does for Potiphar and God comes into that and he and he does this work in Joseph I mean in his father's house he was pretty arrogant and he probably didn't have to do very much now he's thrown into a situation where he's a slave And so don't you know that his heart had to do some changing? He had to be humbled, and he was humbled quickly in this case. So now he goes into Potiphar's house, and he does such an amazing job that Potiphar notices it. But Joseph had to open himself up to God's work in him. That that first verse, in verse 2, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph. 
that, that speaks of, their, of his relationship with God. And God opened himself, Joseph had opened himself up to God so much that it influenced Joseph's pagan Egyptian master. And how do we know this? If you look at verse 3, it says, When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything he did successful. It wasn't just that Potiphar looked at Joseph and said, Man, this kid's a hard worker. He's awesome. It was, it was so supernatural in Joseph's life that even Potiphar looked at it and said, Wow, this is, this is not normal. Nobody, nobody is this good, this efficient, this faithful on their own. That's the level, that, that's what God had put into Joseph to be able to, to get him to the place. And remember, God is, is, is putting everything in Joseph, what he needs to get Joseph to where he wants him to be. And so this is a supernatural thing. Here's another point I want you to remember. God shows the world his faithfulness through faithful servants. And it just makes sense, doesn't it? God shows the world how faithful he is through faithful servants. The work of God in Joseph was so impactful that it caused Potiphar to acknowledge the reality of God. But it was only because Joseph opened himself up to the work of God in his heart. If we don't open ourselves to the work of God in our hearts and pursue that work, we can't expect the world to get a clear picture of who God is. Stephen Curtis Chapman, back in the 80s, wrote a song that said, Will they see God for who he really is and what they see in you and me? You want to know how God makes an impact in the world? He makes an, a, an impact in the world through his faithful servants. Why do we think we can live unfaithful lives and convince anyone to believe that God is faithful? <laughs> Somehow we think just because we're Christians, just because we say we're Christians, or just because we go to church, that means everybody's going to be influenced positively for God? Nope. You know what the world believes about God when they see unfaithful Christians? That he's unfaithful. When they see us lie, God lies. When they see us be angry and bitter and, and jealous and, and, and hateful to people, that's what they believe about God. But Joseph was faithful, and he was faithful while he was a slave. So let me ask you this question that I had to ask myself. What's your excuse? What's my excuse for not being faithful? Because my life isn't quite exactly the way I want it to be. <laughs> Joseph was a slave, and his faithfulness was a witness to the reality of God. When people notice our faithfulness and our goodness, then they'll notice God's. 
if we're faithful to acknowledge him and give him credit for it. And I believe Joseph did that. And it won't be fast either. If you look at the details of this story and, and you skip ahead and start looking at the details that are given, we, you can do the math and figure out that Joseph was at, in Potiphar's house for 11 years. He was in this place for 11 years. Sometimes we read it and we think, oh, it was just, you know, it might have been a year or so. No, 11 years he stayed there. And so God doesn't always work quickly with our faithfulness. You know what that brings about, or that makes necessary? Endurance. We can't just be faithful one time. We have to have an enduring faithfulness. And this was an enduring faithfulness that Joseph had, not only to God, but to his master. And it set him up for where God wanted him to be. Now look finally at at verses 5 and 6. It says, From the time that he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. And he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. See, when God was putting Joseph together way, way back, he he put some things in him that maybe Joseph didn't realize he had until he was put in a place where he needed the most. God had had supernaturally put an administrative gift in him. I mean, he was in charge of of everything that Potiphar owned. And he had built such a trust with Potiphar and, and given such testimony to the goodness of God in Potiphar's house that Potiphar gave authority over everything to Joseph. And because of that, God blessed it. He also, God also gave Joseph a loyalty and a heart to work really hard, to be faithful, even if it was for this pagan master. But you remember at the beginning I said that Joseph didn't have any control over what was happening to him, right? Well, he, he didn't. He didn't have any control over who bought him or whose home he ended up in. All of those things were, were about providence, but... What God did allow Joseph to have control of, he was faithful with. There was so much that was out of Joseph's control that he couldn't change, he couldn't manipulate. But once he was in that place, what he did have control over, he was faithful with. I think that Joseph prayed for Potiphar. I think Joseph prayed for Potiphar's house. I think he asked God to bless him. I think Joseph prayed for the Pharaoh. I think that's the kind of faithfulness that he showed.
And so I just want to end by asking you this question. There is so much in your world that you don't have any control over. And are we not living that right now? That is our planet. There is so much that we have zero control over. But the question I want you to think about this morning is, what has God given you that you can control? What is it that you, that you can do something with? What is it that you can change and control about your circumstances, about your life, about the relationships that you have with people? It applies, it applies across the board. Um, the, the, the racial tension that's in our country right now is very real. And I can't make everybody not be a racist. But I can control the way I treat people. I can control the way I speak about people. What is it in the midst of this crazy world that is full of stuff you can't control? What is it that God's given you that you can? And when you figure out what that is... Are you going to be faithful with it?